Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. In a time of crisis, we often find that there are shortages of supplies at the store. Yet, in a time of crisis, there are no shortages of hurting, confused, and heartbroken people. Perhaps this has never been more real to you than it has been in recent times or even today. The Old Testament prophet Habakkuk is a unique book of the Bible as it records a man of God talking to God about his problems and his desire to be faithful in the midst of them. Yet he knows he needs God's help, and so do we. Let's learn from the prophet in part one of Pastor Jim's message, a special gift for you. I want to read our verse again for today, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high hills, on my high hills. And then really the, the part of the message I want to emphasize today in a very indirect way, to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. And the title of today's message is A Special Gift for You a special gift for you. As we have heard and some of us have experienced, in a time of crisis, there are a lot of shortages. You know, they'll, they'll tell you, these are the supplies that you need, and then you go to the store and you can't get them. But in a time of crisis, there's something that there's no shortage of. There's some things there's no shortage of. There's no shortage in a crisis of hurting people. There's no shortage of suffering people. There's no shortage of confused people. There's no shortage of brokenhearted people. Habakkuk is a minor prophet. Why do we call him a minor prophet? It's just because his book is small. He lived a little bit before, uh, we think about 600 BC. So let's place the time of his writing, 605, 607 BC uh, or so. What's going on is his nation is falling apart and he's watching it and he's brokenhearted about it. Why is he so brokenhearted about it? Because the people of God, God's special people in Jerusalem and the surrounding area, uh, cared little for the word of God, cared little for the ways of God, though uh, they were religious, they had left God. Yes, it's possible to be religious and to leave God. Uh, The book of Habakkuk is different than other prophetic books of the Bible, which primarily tell us about what's going on in the times and what's going to happen in the future, although it does. But in Habakkuk, it records uh, him talking with God about the problems. And Habakkuk is like what I believe most of you watching are like. He wanted to be faithful in the midst of all the confusion. He wanted to be faithful in the midst of the crisis, yet he clearly understood that he needed help from above. He didn't want the violence that was taking place in his country. He didn't want the political unrest. He didn't want the ways of the culture to take him out of being a faithful follower of God. In other words, he wanted to endure. We'll talk about that later. He didn't want to give up. What Habakkuk didn't seem to realize is And sometimes I think we forget this, that you and I can become stronger in faith even in the darkest of times. So we've already spent 10 weeks in Habakkuk. We've looked at a lot of things very, very carefully, 
And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to break an unwritten rule of Bible teaching. Normally you do an overview of a book of the Bible before you do the book of the Bible. I'm going to do the overview of the book of the Bible, of the book of Habakkuk, afterwards because if you've been with us, if you haven't, it's okay, because we have learned so much about this man. Now, why do people do overviews? Well, when when you go fast, you know, you, you miss a lot of things, so we slowed down, so we didn't want to do that, but... But when you go slow, the problem with going slow is while you do catch a lot of the great details is you miss the flow of the book sometimes. And I design every message to be contained in its own way. So if you just tuned in that Sunday and that Sunday only, you wouldn't be like, I don't know what he's talking about. But, but when, you go, when you go slow, you really catch, let's call it the development of the character or the character development of the main person in the book. And so Habakkuk has taught us some interesting things. He's taught us it's okay to have questions and doubts about God. He's also told us something I think that's really important that our suffering quite often can seem or feel, I think feels a much better word and it's always a much better idea to let our mind guide our feelings instead of letting our feelings guide our mind. And, And he he, can, he understands or he's coming to understand that sometimes our suffering can feel very inconsistent with the character of God. Now, as many of you know, suffering is a part of life. If you don't know it yet, you will. Count me on it. That's one thing. You, as long as you have breath, you will encounter suffering. So Habakkuk is here to help. So rather than to go into every little nitty-gritty detail like we did in 10 weeks previously, think of us now as sort of a plane. You know, when you're in a plane and you're circling around a city and you're like, you know, soon we're going to be landing and we're sort of taking a, a higher level view and what we're going to look at is Habakkuk's total transformation from beginning to end when life did not make sense. So let's jump in. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden, some versions say oracle, some versions prophecy. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, literally the burden that he received. Now, normally when a book of the Bible opens up, a prophetic book of the Bible, one of the prophets, we're normally told something about the prophet. We're told about, oh, this is where he's from, this is who his family is, this is where he lived, when when he lived. We're not told any of that here, right out of the box, jumping right into it, we're told that he received a burden, a burden. We might say this, a weighty word. Something very, very heavy from God came to him. Now, after years of wicked kings, uh, they finally had this righteous king by the name of Josiah, but he died in battle. And after he died in battle, the people began to slide back into idolatry, the false gods of the culture that Josiah had been working hard to get out of the land. And so here, as we come right into his book, we find Habakkuk is praying. And it's, in a, it's really interesting, the format of his praying. It's sort of a complaint answer format. So it might be a, a good way to think of we, we, we talk to God and then we listen to God, and you say, what, what, is it, what does that format mean? It means that he prays, 
and God is more than willing to provide him with an answer. We don't know how long it's in between, and sometimes we wait a long time as well. And as we have seen and will see that God's answers sometimes leave the prophet, sometimes leave you, sometimes leave me, God's answers, more confused than we were before. And also, he has to deal with, not only is God answering him about what's going on now, but in the true spirit of a prophet, he's also talking to him about what's going to happen in the future. So we're at 600 BC, 600 years before Jesus comes on the scene, but the Old Testament is always pointing us to Jesus. When we come to verse 2, we hear the confused man of God complaining in prayer. And again, let's feel the weighty burden. Oh, Lord. Now we go, we read our Bibles early in the morning, oh Lord. No, this is like, oh Lord, oh Lord, how long, how long shall I cry? Another version, most versions add for help. How long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. He's like, God, aren't you listening to me? Even cry out to you violence. I'm watching all this violence. Hebrew word, Hamas. And you will not save. I'm crying out to you. This violence, all that's going on. You don't do anything about it. I mean, what's going on, God? Are you indifferent? And sometimes we feel that way. We feel that God might be indifferent to our cries. Verse 3. Why? Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. What's he saying? He's like, Lord, why, why do I have to see all of this? Why do I have to live through all of this? Verse 4, he continues, Therefore the law is powerless. I think he's talking about the law of God. Another word, version says it's paralyzed. In other words, the, the effect of the law on God's people, it's just ineffective. It's numb. It's not working. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. Another version says it never prevails. It never emerges. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Habakkuk is like, Habakkuk is like Lord, your people have perverted and distorted your word. They're ignoring it. Are are, are you going to make some sort of a righteous judgment about this or what? What's the deal? Are you going to discipline them? Verse 5, God's simple answer. If I could put it in two words, I am. (laughs) I'm going to do something about it. He tells them judgment is coming, and and he tells them here's what he's going to do about it, and the wicked, and what he's going to do about the wickedness among Habakkuk's own people. Verse 5, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. Habakkuk, what I am going to do is going to blow your socks off. You're going to be amazed. For or because I will work a work, and, and it could be read this way, I am already doing a work, in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you. So basically God says, Habakkuk, you don't think that I've seen, but here's the real problem. You've only seen some of it, and I've seen 
all of it. And so I am preparing a work. I'm giving my people time to change, but I'm, I'm ready to pull the plug on everything to discipline them, to get them to come back to me. So what's God's unbelievable plan? Verse six, um, for, or again, or because, uh, indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Those would be the Babylonians, the world's superpower, and he describes what they're like. A, a bitter, some versions say, ruthless and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Another version says, to seize territories not its own. They're just, they're just like <laughs> blowing through nations. They, you can't even stop them. And so then in verse 7 to 11, he describes, the Lord describes how wicked the Babylonians are and the savage ways in which they conquer nations. So in essence, God says this to Habakkuk, I'll let them fix the problem. My people don't want me to help them. It's okay. It's okay. You don't want me. I'm not going to force myself on you. I'll let the Babylonians fix the problem. We have idolatry in the land. needs to get out. I'll let them get it out. Now, Habakkuk seemed to think the Lord was indifferent to the sin of the people of God. A lot of us, we think that God is indifferent to the sin of the church. Clearly, he is not. Lord says, I'll, I'll let Babylonians come in. Later on, Ezekiel will write, what actually happened was that the Lord left the temple, so the presence of God in Jerusalem left and so he says, I'll let the Babylonians come in, conquer my people, and I'll let the Babylonians exile, important word in the Bible, exile my people, take them captive to Babylon. All because of what? Their idolatry and their sin. And, and they're, they're connected. Idolatry is when we love something more than God. Now, there's a, a, a very wide movement in the church today called the hyper-grace movement. Basically, it kind of goes like this. It doesn't really matter how you live because God forgives everything past, present, and future. I'm not denying that, but I, am de- I will deny that, that it, it doesn't matter how you live. You, you, have to have a, you have a pretty thin Bible if you don't think that that matters to God. So contrary to what today's hyper-grace crowd says, God cares about the holiness of his people. Holiness means to be set apart. God cares that his people live with the help of the word of God and the Holy Spirit according to the word of God and the Lord will do whatever it takes to help get us there. Did you hear that? He will do whatever it takes to help get us there. God's methods often stun us. And when they stun us, it's because they're supposed to. Why? Well, at the beginning of the year, we studied the book of Haggai, and God wants us to, as Haggai said, to consider your ways. He wants all of us to consider our ways. Now, a little over 600 years later, God would sacrifice his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross. Now, when you ask most people why, they would say, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That is correct. When you ask people to explain that, very few people can. He died in our place on the cross for our sins. However, the people who have really been transformed by God, when they talk about the cross, there can sometimes be an unusual look that comes upon their face. Why? They have been stunned. 
Just like Habakkuk is being stunned by the plan of the Babylonians, a true follower of Jesus Christ has been stunned by the cross because they have seen at the cross how serious sin is to God. While you may see this as only wrath, you're like, this is terrible. This, I can't believe he would do this. If you are a parent, you know that true love does whatever it takes to get your children to the right place. Verse 12, we, we jump down to that. We see Habakkuk has good theology, but here, good theology adds to his confusion and his complaining. He says, verse 12, are you not from everlasting? He said, God, are you not from eternity? Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One. So is he, are you from eternity? Are you from everlasting? Answer the question, Yes. We shall not die. Now notice, he's so confident that the righteous people of God will have eternal life. We shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment, or you have appointed the Babylonians to execute judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. They are, he knows God is the rock. He knows the Lord. He's the everlasting one. And he has ordained the Babylonians to correct or to punish or to discipline God's people. Verse 13, Habakkuk makes two statements followed by two questions, two statements. He says to God, you are of pure eyes then to behold evil. Statement number one. Statement number two, and you, and you God, cannot look on wickedness. Another version says you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. God cares about the way we live. Two questions. Why do you look, another version says, adds the word idly, why do you look idly on those who deal treacherously? God, why do you tolerate this? Next question, and why do you hold your tongue? We might say, why are you so silent when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? How can you watch wicked people Devour people that live more according to your ways. You see, Habakkuk has been watching what's going on, and like most of us, no doubt he had a solution for God. You ever do that? You got, God, there's a problem. I know it's your problem. Let me take that off your plate. I'll take care of it for you. But God, as he often does, says, oh, no, 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 no. I have an answer. But it is a most unexpected answer. And just imagine if you're Habakkuk. I mean, the problems are not, you're like, God, you're not really helping me. The problem's not getting better or getting smaller. The problems are getting more numerous and they're getting bigger. See, he started with a problem with God's own people who were not caring about God anymore. Then God says, no worries, bro. I'll bring the Babylonians in. Now Habakkuk has a bigger problem. He's got not a problem with the Babylonians. He's got a problem with God. He's like, God, this is not like you. Why would you use these really, really, really wicked people to punish us who are not quite as wicked? What is he basically saying? I'm confused. I don't understand this. And, and perhaps you've said some of this kind of stuff to God. Maybe I'm the only one. But I've said stuff to him like, Lord, what is going on? 
I always, I've said many times to you before, I know you see me at church and, oh, it's Pastor Jim. He's, he's got it together somewhat and he's cool, calm and collected. And I hear stuff from people and we pray. And then I go around the back, there's woods in back of my house where, and the deer watch me talking to God. They're like, oh, here comes crazy Pastor Jim. I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously? Is this the way you treat your friends, God? I mean, this, this is awful. What are you doing? Are you trying to discourage us? It certainly doesn't seem like you're trying to encourage us. And, and a lot of times I will say something like this. I know you people don't. You're spiritual. You watch sermons online. But a lot of times I will say to God something like this. I don't get your plan. And God, as long as we're being honest, right, with one another, I don't like the plan. Not only don't I get it, I don't like it. Now, in the rest of the chapter, Habakkuk reminds God, like God doesn't know, about how lost men and women in general are and how wicked the Babylonians are. Now, we come into chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. That's a, that's a lookout tower. And watch to see. What's he doing? He's positioning himself to see and hear from God. So he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, lookout tower, what he, the Lord, will say to me. In other words, he's saying, God, you're going to have to explain this one to me. Because this one, I, I can't make heads or tails out of how you're going to use evil people to get the evil people out of you, to get the evil out of your people. I, it doesn't, doesn't compute. Evil people taking the evil out of us. It doesn't seem to work. And then he says this, and what I will answer when I am corrected. You see, he understands something, that when we disagree with God, we're wrong. It's, it's a fundamental thing that, that is the truth of the Bible. He, he's going to say, you know, God, you explain this to me, and then I'll know how to answer you, myself, and everybody I talk to. You know, they, they're looking to me. I'm a prophet about, about what's going on. Verse 2, then the Lord answered and said to me and said, just stop right there for one second. Uh, stop and think about this. Was God under any obligation to answer him? I mean, really, he's God. This guy's just some guy. He's just living in Jerusalem, probably. Just, he's, just a, he's a guy. And so, but, but understand this. God speaking to us is to transform us. God reaching down to us transforms us. And ultimately, God reached down to us and spoke to us in and through the person of Jesus Christ. So he said, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. And I want to remind you that any of these verses you have questions on, you can go back to our earlier studies and review them. Verse 3, 4, Or because the vision is yet for an appointed time. It still waits for its appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. This, what I'm, gonna, what I'm telling you, will not prove false, though it tarries. What does that mean, tarry? Like, it's just not coming. We always say, come on, God, hurry up. You know? you know, when we're spiritual, we're like, oh, God's always right on time. But when we're alone, we're like, God, you're slow. Come on, let, let's pick up the pace. Though it tarries, wait for it. That, that key phrase, wait for it, it's going to come in handy in a little bit because it will surely come 
it will not be tarry. Another, it will not tarry. Another version says it will not be late. Verse 4 contrasts two attitudes uh, towards God and his ways. One speaking about the first, one speaking about the Babylonians and those like him. This is heaven and hell stuff. Verse 4, behold the proud, some versions say the puffed up, his soul is not upright in him. Another version says, look at the proud. Their ego is inflated. They don't have integrity. But, contrast, something is different. The just shall live by his faith. You should circle those words in your Bible. They're mentioned three times in the New Testament, and they are key to New Testament theology. We did a whole study on just that verse. So so the Lord says to Habakkuk, listen, I know that suffering seems to take forever to you. I understand that. Please don't think, Habakkuk, that I don't understand that. But Habakkuk, my plans have a specific timetable. And the timetable actually is part of what makes them, my plans, effective. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.